You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth. So you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, everybody out there in internet land, it's Brian House here for Housework, and this is episode number four of our podcast, Work For It. I am in the studio with three of amazing workers, amazing people that actually come together and we talk about what's going on in our workshops, what's going on in our studios and what we have on the plate for our future, where we discuss our work and what makes us uh, passionate about our purpose. And uh, anyhow, I will start my introductions. As always, I am joined by my guy, Mr. Trent Hill. Say what's up, Trent. Howdy, guys. And uh, also, as a surprise uh, guest on the show, I have my son, Dexter House. Say hey, Dex. Hey, guys. And uh, Dexter's 14. And that leads me into our, our guest. And that's Mr. Kenzie Aaron. And, uh, and I'm going to introduce him just briefly and tell you how I met him. And, uh, and when I say met, I use air quotes. But uh, I'm all the way on the polar opposite side of the continent. He's like way up in uh, up, up north in Canada there. And I'm like way down here in Florida. And uh, Kenzie reached out to me on Instagram, actually through the email platform on the, on the website. And uh, he said, oh, I heard you wanted to have guests on the show, and I'd love to be a part of that. And that led me down a rabbit hole of checking out his Instagram feed, uh, which uh, we'll, we'll put in the show notes. And then I'll let uh, Kenzie tag his Instagram here so you can go out and see his work. Uh, but he, for a 14-year-old person to produce the amount of work and also how clean it is and how beautiful it is, I'm just blown away. And there's so much to talk about and so much to ask. So, Mr. Kenzie, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then tag your Instagram so that people can go out and take a look at your work. Yeah, sure. I uh, appreciate it. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Kenzie Aaron. I'm a 14-year-old bladesmith from Camrose, Alberta in Canada. And um, my Instagram is Aaron Iron and Steel with underscores between each word. I, yeah, I forge blades. Uh, I do a little bit of other blacksmithing too, but I'm mostly focused on knives right now. I don't know if there's much else to say about it. That's well, I th- kind of a I mouthful. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a definite beginning as to what you actually do. But I think there's a lot of kind of very interesting things about you that um, which is one of the reasons why I think I wanted you on the show right away was number one your age you know you're 14 you're young 
uh, and you're you you also seem very focused on your work and creating something uh, in with your studio. Could you tell us a little bit about your origin story, like how you got started in bladesmithing? Yeah, for sure. So it all started maybe three and a half years ago. Uh, I was watching Forged in Fire, and it really caught my attention. There was like it was all I could think about. There was nothing else nothing else good so we went to the hardware store and bought a little propane torch like a 15 pound anvil and a piece of copper pipe and a hacksaw and i would cut out i would cut off a piece of pipe cut it open and then hammer it flat and forge out well forge little bookmarks out of it and i still have the first one that i made and i kind of count that as my beginning into making things then I played around I did some wooden knives because knives were the only thing that could like sate my thirst for making things and then then I moved into some stock removal until I could get a forge but we lived in a townhouse in the city so it's it's been difficult but eventually I got a forge I've been forging knives for about two years now and in the last year, I feel like I've really moved from knife-shaped objects into something functional. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're just some. I'm I'm a big fan of the Nakiri, and uh, and you've made a couple that are just stunning. I mean, absolutely beautiful textbook examples, but they're they were made in such a way that um, I almost didn't believe that you were 14, to be honest. I, I mean, like when I started looking through your work, I'm like, gosh, this, this, this person is doing really clean work. In fact, more clean than a lot of um, some of the adults that I've seen and worked with. Uh, you just have a really good understanding on how to make metal move. And then not only that, you have an understanding of what it should look like at the end. I think you're, uh, you're visualizing things and your design elements are really solid. And I, if anything, I want to bring you on just to say, I love your work and I want to encourage you to continue. Um, because, uh, a lot of, uh, people that try to get into knife making or bladesmithing don't really fully grasp the commitment that it takes, not only from a financial and tooling standpoint, but from a time standpoint. They, they look at a knife and they think, oh, I can make that. I could do that. Or they watch Forge and Fire and they see somebody do it and say two hours, three hours or whatever it is when they don't really see all of the back end work that is put into the craft itself, you know, uh, before yeah. they actually stepped up to a anvil and started making things or got a grinder or whatever. Uh, and so uh, from, you know, my focus in a lot of my my um, content creation has always been the focus on the work. It doesn't necessarily have to be knife smith uh, uh, bladesmithing or knife making or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of people that are around me that are makers, you know, people that build things and construct things. Uh, knife making takes all of those skill sets, you know, working with wood, working with steel, understanding metallurgy, understanding heat treating, all those things. And it kind of combines it into one. So at a, a young age, like, uh, say, if you were 10 or 11 when you started up to now, you have really uh, shown uh, amazing uh, uh, abilities. And I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Can I so, interject for a second, uh, Brian? Yeah, 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 go for it, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to say, Kenzie hasn't been speaking long, and I don't mean this in a patronizing way or a patronizing way, but uh, he's he's very articulate for a 14-year-old. 
Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it, yeah, it's uh, hard to get find. that. Go ahead. I'm, I'm Is that sorry, your dog? My, yeah. Someone Trent has a dog, too. I've got three of them. Don't worry yeah. about it. And they, they come and go on our podcast. They actually, sometimes we mic them up so they can actually uh, <laughs> talk to us. We, we love dogs, for sure. All right. Well, so, so I'm looking right now, I'm looking at a picture of your garage, and I assume your parents um, have just said, like, hey, you know, feel free to take over the garage because it almost looks like that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, our garage is... Um, like the last people that lived here left quite a bit of stuff around, so there's only about half a garage there, and I'm filling it in. So the car is in the driveway for sure. Nice, nice. And then I see you have a two by seventy two grinder. Dexter and I were digging into your your feet a little bit, and we were trying to figure out who made the grinder and where did it come from. Uh, it's a Vashti, and oh, I don't I love those. Yeah, yeah, they're from their company from in BC. So I like to support Canada is good and Mm -hmm. i don't i guess i don't know if i should be plugging them but they were just really good to work with like they were and i'm loving the machine it's a big step up from my if you're happy with the product and the the results you get from it any any tool that functions is a good tool yeah i I follow them on instagram just because i follow the hashtag two by 72 and um, their designs, the way they um, sort of innovate how things function, the way, like the way the platen turns, the way yeah. that the um, the tensioning wheel is locked down, like in certain ways, uh, that's like a. They spend a lot of time on the engineering of that device. A two by seventy two can be as complicated as you want or as simple as you want, and those guys have done a really good job of making a two by seventy two grinder do a whole bunch of different things and do it with like grace and style too. Because you know they're they're they've got some. Um, it, it's not just like a functional build it's it's a it's beautiful in my they really are beautiful machines especially their new ones are they're really nice looking yeah yours looks like maybe one of the earlier models it's yeah it's definitely the base model yeah it's cool it's very cool so that leads me into talking about the tools that are in your workshop because i always am fascinated as to tools that people have and that they the ones that they use the most so could you give me a rundown of some of your favorite tools and like, you know, which ones you use the most and then some of the favorite tools that you have that you don't use very often? All right. Well, I guess I should definitely start with my anvil. It's got a big chip out of the face, but yeah, I love that. it. It's um, it's an old mouse hole and it's almost 200 years old. It's from the 1830s approximately based off the stamping on it. Um, so that's, I really love that thing. It's, it's beautiful too, even though it's a little busted up, but I work around it. And then I have a hammer that I bought off a guy on Etsy when I kind of was starting to pick up the pace. It's a hand forged rounding hammer. And I love that tool too. It's just, it's another one of those things that it works really well, but it's also beautiful. So you enjoy using it more. And I do like beautiful tools for sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just envisioning now. You said you live in a townhome. Oh, not and, anymore. Sorry. Oh, you know, oh not anymore. A year ago. Okay, so now you live like in a single family house. Yeah, okay. we have a backyard now and a garage. Gotcha. So, how do your neighbors feel about you banging on an anvil <laughs> outside? Is that, or are you doing it inside now? 
No, I'm still, I have a big tent in the backyard for all the forging, and then all the grinding and stuff is inside. Okay. And, well, the That almost seems backwards. I think I'd rather do the dirty work outside. The problem is, is I have the a carbon forge. Yeah, the, the, oh, you have a coal forge. I have propane too, but I get free coal from gotcha. my grandpa's friend, so I use that as much as I can. Gotcha. Ah, free coal. I like it. Yeah. Me and, too. And the, yeah, and that makes sense because in like in my world too, I move my forge outside. Even though I don't have like an overhead door, my my shop is like a like in a big industrial building and I just have like a retail door. It's it's just like a basically a glass door and I just roll my forge out front and then, you know, people are like driving by while I'm forging out front um or heat treating. It's a little awkward, you know, but uh it works. I get the job done. That yeah. reminds me of that movie, No Pain, No Gain, where the guy's, the Rock's character's cooking the guy's hands on his uh, little barbecue grill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry yeah. No, for the weird nothing segue. To see, nothing to see uh, here. Nothing to see yeah, here. Just a guy, just a guy, uh, you know, heat treating a couple of blades, uh, you know, in a, in a highly trafficked area with like a, you know, 1800 degree forge. Nothing to see here. No big deal. Well, but, the uh, neighbors the neighbors don't seem to mind the noise as much as they mind the smoke. So I uh, uh, I try to limit my forging now, especially now I'm doing more like high quality knives. I feel like it's more time in the garage and less outside. So it's right. not so bad. Yeah. So are you using your propane forge just to heat treat then and and uh, do it that way, or are you yeah, doing primarily. more stock? Okay. So you're doing stock removal and and. Uh, but you're, you've made some Damascus, too, which is, like, unbelievable. It's beautiful stuff. I do love Damascus. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through your feed right now, and I'm just, like, I'm soaking it all in, and it's it's unbelievable stuff. Like, this picture of you where you're, you're just, like, a very young person using a uh, coffee can forge on your mom's stove. <laughs> that is a fantastic photo. Who took that photo? I think that was my dad. Or no, that was my mom, that one. Is your dad uh, facilitating a lot of the interest in this, or was he was he just kind of going along for the ride? Well, my dad and my grandpa are both welders. Uh -huh. So I've had access to tools and stuff from a young age, too, and that's that's helped a lot. My grandpa has a lot of stuff and tools that I've been, that he lets me use. So I've definitely got a lot of support from my parents and my grandparents. That's Which really important. Who's, yes. who's more supportive, though, your mom or your dad? Um, I think my dad, because my mom is more worried I'll get hurt. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a mom. Yeah, but they're both they're both really good about it, like for sure. No, that's cool. Yeah, there there's something to be said about parents that would even at the age of ten or eleven say, "Hey, you want to learn how to do this? This is like a dangerous thing." Like, I, there's something we talk about a lot on the show is like all the the people who comment on the things that I build on YouTube, and because um, I prototype like big machines and weird like dangerous things, and um, the big the biggest thing what I find hilarious is that I'm posting these videos and images in like groups about homemade machines and all these like old angry machinists are like coming at me like 
oh, I'd never go near that. That thing's a death trap. You're going to kill yourself. I'm like, you're literally saying that to a bunch of guys who build death traps. Like, that's what we do. We're, we're all building grinders. Like, it, of course, this thing's going 700 or 7,000 RPM. And if you, you put your hand up against it, it's going to hurt. And working with metal, it's going to hurt if you burn yourself, things like that. Um, and yet the safety police are always on top of me, which uh, yeah. if you're listening, safety police, <laughs> we are on top of you where I started labeling them. O uh, or O a M's old angry machinists. There's something about these guys. They like coming at me and it's like, they're all, they all worked in front of a lathe or a mill for like 25, 30 years. And they just love piling on top of me to tell me I'm a moron. And, uh, and I agree with them sometimes like, yeah, I am a moron, but I'm learning. I'm a learning moron. You know, I'm picking it up as I go, you know? Yeah. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, and you're going to find that in your life. Every single person that comes at you with adversity, it's typically projection. It's something that maybe they they wish they could do, well, and, and they're not doing it. Or maybe they're out of time. and they Yeah, and it. what's hilarious yeah. is at 14, he has more working experience than a lot of the people complaining and oh, totally. you know, bitching, on, bitching on the interwebs. Get off That's my right. lawn! Keyboard commandos yep. coming after you. Yes. So, uh, Dexter, I would like to involve you a little bit. You're standing here. Dex, just so you know, we're in my grind room right now. This is where I do the show uh, because I have no other quiet space. And the guy right on the other side of the wall from us, of course, is running his dust collection system at like, you know, full blast. But um, well, we can't you know, hear it. it. At least not on my Okay, good. Okay, are it's you allowed like a, to say full blast on here? <laughs> I am allowed to say full blast. I I, I know Jeff, and I and I'm a, I think I'm allowed now. Uh, him and I have kind of uh, uh, chit chatted a little bit on Instagram, and um, uh, that that dude has the, the depth of knowledge he has, plus his entertainment value is just like unheard of. Like when I listen to his podcast, I'm just floored. Floored. Have you been listening to it, Kenzie? Well, I've been listening to Knife Talk, but I haven't gotten into the full blast yet. Oh. Wait until you get into full blast. That, if, that was one of the questions I asked Kenzie before we got on here is about uh, explicit language. Sometimes, you know, words come out of our mouths that are a little, you know, uh, adult and all. And uh, and he said, no big deal. But once you get into Jeff's podcast, that'll all go away. You just you just take a minute, <laughs> the hot minute on that. He's got some good stuff to say. And his stories are just top notch. They're fantastic. So check out the full blast blast podcast by jeff fader fader knives and if you're already uh subscribed to my channel you should go to makery.network uh and find all of the other channels out there there's there's a bunch of us uh, a coalition for a lack of better term of makers who are creating a podcast and this is all uh craig lockwood's brainchild he actually saw this in his mind and then took an enormous amount of time compiled it and created this little network and it's growing every day and I love being a part of it. So check out makery.network and all the shows that it has to offer. All right, I'm done plugging that. No, now, Dexter, getting back to Dexter went through your feed, Kenzie. And he uh, he was like, wait, this kid's my age? Like, uh, again, Dexter, uh, you, you had a couple of questions for Kenzie. Yeah, when I saw your work, I was very surprised on what you can do because at such a young age, you don't think of, someone making knives that look that great but obviously you can do that and uh i really i really like all your work it's uh very entertaining and inspiring because i know i like to do knife making even though my knives aren't 
as great as yours, <laughs> but I would uh, like to finally get to somewhere where I can do something like you. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely no reason why you can't. I think the big thing that contributes to making nice work is um, always striving to make something better than the last thing you made. Sometimes I look at people on Instagram and, you know, YouTube, whatever, and it looks like the, the knife they make looks like the last knife they made. It doesn't look, it doesn't look like they're trying to improve what they're doing. And I, well, maybe they are, and I'm just a jerk. I'm not sure, but sometimes I just feel like you see people, do you guys, am I crazy? No, like, no, 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 you're not crazy, you're not crazy at all. Yeah, you can kind of tell they're not trying to move forward. And I always want to, I always want to take the next step. And I feel like it's helped me learn a lot faster to focus in on the little things that I can improve. I think what you're seeing too is a lot of knife makers on Instagram are using Instagram as a means to sell market. Yeah. yeah sell their work. And, and when you see a production knife maker, you know, they're, they're not trying to go too far in one direction because they know what sells. Yeah, they're kind of locked into their design. Yeah, and and they've gotten, uh, and this is what the world will do to you. It will niche you. It will just like shove you in a corner and say, you're good at this and you need to do this. And what the beautiful part of being somebody with a lot of energy, being young and being curious and being hardworking, such as yourself, Kenzie, is that you get the chance to find that niche. And if you don't like it, you can change it and you can just continue on doing something different. Um, and, and it, and always just be continue the same attitude that you've had eventually though, what'll happen is, is that you'll need to find that one thing that makes you money. You know, like what is it that actually yeah. pays the bills? Right. And for you, it might be like, you know, uh, it might be knife making. In fact, I probably think you'll probably end up doing that for a living. And, and that will lead me into a whole nother series of questions about selling your work. But if you if you take this time now to really understand your craft and get so good at it branching out into all those different areas of changing what you do what you're making becomes so much simpler it's it's these guys that are out there creating these pieces that they should have just made a skinner or they should have just made an edc or something like initially but they you know they dove right into a fillet knife or something and they yeah they, they, then they get burnt out on it they're like i can't make it i really wanted to do that i can't do it it's like just start something simple learn the craft and then you know branch out into you know whatever hog splitters or whatever you want to build a quick interjection brian not that i don't want you know you to keep running your show but dexter i think that uh, not just speaking for myself but i would you know i your your dad brian has mentioned before that you've got several 3d printers and we've seen you on a couple of his episodes i'd like to see uh either you come out with your own channel or at least do more collaborations with your dad dun 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 yeah i i do have my own channel okay and uh it's do you mind if i plug it yeah plug it Go it's yeah. uh, a Dex, dexter house so it kind of runs off what my dad gotcha. has but yeah. um yeah i have i'm working on it right now but i have one uh 3d printing video it's on uh 3d printing an sd card holder for my dad okay. which he still uses every day i use it all the time and uh i'm working on more and bigger projects so well, let's try to get you yeah. some more traffic 
Yeah, you know the here's here's the thing with uh, Dexter and like a lot of uh, early content creators, they get this like perfectionism block, and they're like, "Oh, it's got to be perfect before I release it," because you know that when is you, definitely what I'm hitting. Yeah, it, it's it's so. I'm common. sure he didn't and learn it, any of that from you, Brian. Well, I, I I went through it too. It's a phase, and what happens is you realize that, um, and I'll and I'll just I'll just say how I learned this is that uh, I said it on a previous episode. Is Casey Neistat did an entire video series on just keep uploading, and what that means is is doesn't matter. You know, done is better than perfect, and you you continue creating content and you continue to push it out to the ether because you never know what video or what picture or whatever it is that you're doing will hit somebody's going to hear it or see it or whatever and 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 they'll subscribe to your stuff and they'll maybe buy something from you or work with you or whatever it is the only way you can do that is through sheer quantity because the internet is just flooded with anything you want i mean it's all out there and it's just being uploaded constantly all day long so you have to kind of cut the note through the noise and continue building uh like a brand for yourself what Dexter's doing is, you know, he produces a piece and then he like mulls over it for a while. And, um, you know, I'm here to tell you, done is better than perfect. Put it up there. Yeah. You could just keep uploading. So, well, I, you know, just kind of speaking for myself, but I liked the dynamic, you know, with Dexter in your shop helping you. Well, he pretty much assembled the crossfire. You know, that's, that's a nice dynamic to see that you trusted him enough to like pretty much turn it over to him and that you guys could get along without it turning into orange county choppers although orange county choppers is very entertaining i have considered start yell- like just to start yelling <laughs> at dexter for no reason whatsoever about nothing maybe throw a chair i mean we could we could get bobby knight on this thing and just like go crazy uh, it, there's entertainment value there, but you're right. Uh, so many people have commented on the father son aspect of what I do on housework. And when Dexter joins me in the studio, it's, it, it's such a, an amazing feeling to have like your, like a small version of yourself. Basically, he's such a helpful, good young man. And he's always, you know, right there with me, you know, helping me, which by the way, you were doing since before you could even walk. Like when he was a little tiny baby, he was in my workshop with me when it was just a single car garage and, uh, and it's never changed. He's been handing me my tools. Like I'd be working underneath my car and I'd say, Dexter, grab me that half inch wrench. And you know, he'd throw it to me. And, uh, and so it's, so we work together really well, which is actually kind of rare, you know, fathers and sons working together. Yeah. Well, let's, let's see if uh, Dexter can develop his own voice. Cause yes, he's your son. But he's also going to become his own man, and we'd like to see him develop alongside you. I agree, and I do think that the three D printing thing—he's so on to something with that, Dexter. You're so talented when it comes to that three D stuff. He has a full understanding of the X and Y axis, and and now X, Y, and Z. So it's for me. It took me a while, you know, to 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 actually wrap my mind around it, and. Um, in fact, the uh, the 3D printed drive wheel for the 2x72 belt grinder, that was printed by Dexter. I just created the file. He was the one that put it, put it in the slicer and made it all work. Well, and you see, that's what's really impressive to me, Dexter. Like that, I'm, I'm like, a, everyone I know makes fun of me. They call me an old man because <laughs> like, I talk about all this weird stuff and then I can't figure out how to, you know, use Google Docs. So... <laughs> 
Like just the fact that you can do all the 3D printing and oh man, it's that's really impressive to me. Yeah, it is really entertaining for me as well. It's um, I like watching it, and I I think it's a very cool concept of how you can take a uh, like basically a thread of plastic and make it into something that's functional and can be used every single day. That's amazing. I think this is a good mix today, Brian. I agree. I think the uh, the the young energy on the show is fantastic, and um, and I, I where I w- really wanted to kind of dig in on the on these concepts about uh, going back to the overarching theme of where this podcast is going is really talking about our work, you know, where we come from, and then that sort of branches out into other conversational topics. And uh, as the from the last show uh, talking with Renoa, you know, she she was really um, she mentioned it and she touched on it a little bit and we have to dig into it a little deeper. But she was talking about like she feels guilty about doing YouTube and, you know, providing and doing all those things. And and um, and Dexter and I were having a conversation about one of his buddies who said, oh, the work that you and your dad do over at that studio, that's not work. That's just fun. You just go over there and have fun. Well, you know. It, it, it doesn't look like work and it, it but it really is and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of hours of dedication and passion and purpose and even creating these podcasts I get a lot out of them I, I mean I sit here and talk with people I would never have a chance to have a conversation with ever yeah. in the history of the world uh, and yet here we are many years between us four gents all hanging out in the same room for lack of a better term and having a discussion that is, you know, well said, well spoken, talking about the things that we love to do that are all based on, you know, eventually probably making money, you know, or, or creating something that will generate a living for us. But it's the, co- the cohesive idea of bringing purpose and passion to what you do, I think what is what sets us apart is that, uh, like, for instance, Kenzie, he learns, he sees a TV show. He's, he wants to try it. He tries it. He sticks with it for four years. He grows. He gr- he continues to grow and learn and become a very accomplished uh, knife uh, maker. So to me, that is such an inspiring story to hear of a young person doing that and not just, you know, like me I, when I was 14. I think I was playing video games. I don't know about you, Trent, but I was playing a lot of Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> just hanging out with my buddies. I was doing little projects here and there. I had stuff that was going on, but... I didn't really fully understand my purpose and path at that age. And and not to say that this is Kenzie's path, but I didn't really have even a beginning. I mean, did you at that age? Uh, at that age? No, definitely not. I was, uh, you know, between the hell that is school and then uh, some stuff in my personal life. But, uh, you know, like I said, my, my grandfather was, was, pretty uh always available and and present in my life so at 14 i was uh we'd go up on the mountain in the summer and we'd hunt uh lots of bird hunting and uh he had a a side hustle where we would cut down uh standing dead timber and we'd turn it into firewood so that was kind of my summer job from i want to say 11 till i graduated high school so I knew what I was going to do during the summers. And uh, 
like part part was chop chopping wood well yeah we so we'd uh cut it down into four foot lengths and then i'd load the trailer we'd bring it down the mountain and then we'd unload it here and then we'd you know cut it up into 16 inch lengths so it fits in a stove and then we just you know every time you got a chance you'd go out and you just split wood until you you know it was either time for dinner or whatever and then you'd stack that wood so it could dry and then when we'd get an order for you know a couple cords of wood we'd load that back into the trailer and then go deliver it un- unload it restack it and like so for you know at least 5 6 years of my life that was my summer gig was uh it was kind of like a poor man's uh, uh, gym because I I grew from this little skinny kid into a, a pretty sturdy sized uh, guy. And uh, little did you know that would turn into CrossFit many years yeah. later. You know, all these people are going out and moving tires and wood and all that, and you know, people pay for that yeah. now. Yeah, and uh, the, the the thing is, is I kind of didn't enjoy it uh, at first, and then especially as I got into high school, I appreciate it more because one, I really love being up on the mountains. My, like my wife grew up in South Dakota, so she's kind of a prairie kid. She likes to look out and see miles and miles of nothing but grass. And whereas me, I like being up on the mountain one, because in the summer it's like free air conditioning because, you know, every thousand feet you go up in elevation, it cools down by, you know, five to 10 degrees. So, when it's hotter than hell down here in the, um, you know, where I live is still a mile above sea level, but we go up to places that are eight, 9,000 feet. So it goes from 95 down here up to, you know, 70-ish. So it's it's nice and it's cool up there. And, and you know, depending on the time of the season, uh, we've got wild strawberries and raspberries and whatnot. So take a break from uh cutting the wood into links and loading it up and uh you know go go scavenge the the natural abundance that's up there and kill a few birds not for the act of killing i mean we ate everything we we hunted you know but sage grouse blue grouse pheasant um some you're painting such a lovely picture by the way you know it's it's really beautiful like in my mind i see the mountains and and, and I see you guys out there doing your work. It, it was it was really thing. nice. And that's, I mean, maybe it wasn't as idyllic as I guess my words are painting it. But at the same time, uh, it kind of was because there's, there's times now when I get a little stressed out or I just want a break from the bullshit that's going on around, you know, around town or around work or whatever. And I just go up on the mountain for sometimes even just an afternoon. Just to decompress, I can, I can hike all over, and the dogs can come with me, and they just love nothing more than finding a mountain stream and playing in it, and you know they'll run up and down hills with me, and and for me that's that's my back to uh, back to nature movement that gets my head right so that I can come down and deal with. You know, sorry for the blue language, but the bullshit. There's just so much bullshit today. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just wanna, I just wanna set it down and, and, and go clear my head so I can come back and be like, okay, it's in perspective. It's just bullshit. I can handle it. You know. Yeah, it, it, if stepping away from uh, 
from the city is something that I don't get a chance to do. And um, uh, you have to give me, actually, I'm going to step away from the microphone for one second. This is going to be kind of funny, but it's starting to rain here, and we get these monsoon nice. rains, and my windows are rolled down in my car. So uh, I will step away. You guys continue the conversation. I'll jump yeah, back in. Sure. Yeah, Kinsey and well, Kinsey and uh, Dexter, uh, what's your... Uh, how are you guys coping with uh, not, you know, getting out of school early and and not being quite sure whether you're going to go back in the fall? And well, should I go first? I guess I talked already. Yeah, you so, can go first. Yeah. Um, I'm well. I'm loving getting out of school early. We have to. We're still doing online school until next week, but okay. most days I'm done by twelve o'clock. So. It's really sweet. I've been getting so much more knife work done than I could have last year. It's really nice. Although I would like to go back next year. I guess we'll see how it goes. Starting to miss human contact. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad right, that I'm you're back. getting some. Uh, that you're getting some practical use out of your free time. You're getting more, like you said, more time to work on your knives and and uh, focus on that. What about you, Dexter? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm finished with school already. So it was uh, the third, I think we finished. And it, yeah, I'm having third a lot. June. More, yeah, June. But I'm having a lot more time to uh, work on my printers and uh, all my other projects that I'm doing right now. Are you are, are you so enjoying I, your break though? Uh, yeah, I would like to see my friends, but you I know. gotcha. Yeah, the the I was going to ask you, Kenzie. So the the situation with your schooling up north in Canada, did they shut the schools down just like everybody else, like in sometime in March? Yeah, we've been doing online ever since. And what's your take on that? Do you enjoy it, or would you rather be at school physically? Um, most days I don't miss it. Like it would be nice to go once in a while to school, but for the most part, I'm just enjoying shop time. I, I often think that this uh, this pandemic is going to change how we see education. Uh, sure. the, the, the days of going to school for six to eight hours and then coming home and doing homework are over, I think, for the most part. And I think it's a good thing. Uh, we ask our, our people to go to school and learn and then come home and do homework and it's i have three children so we're we're on that train all day all week and you know i think that the the idea here is that uh, for instance dexter came to the studio and workshop with me a lot while he was on break sometimes he slept in you know <laughs> but uh, other 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 days he, he came with me and i feel like what the stuff he's learning here like for instance building the crossfire pro where on earth are you going to get that experience at 14 to put together a CNC plasma cutter? I mean, you just you're not going to find that in unless you're going to a vocational. Yeah, school. not a lot of opportunities and, for that. Right. And for me, in my head, and I'm not discounting science, math, English, all that. This is like real world hands on stuff here We're we're putting into place all of these things that in my head, like, uh, for instance, Dexter can lay down a bead. Uh, a weld uh, like most adult men can't even achieve this. And the, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if anything, he can fall back on that. He could he could be a welder. 
um, and or he could he could be a knife maker. He could do all these things. He's getting his hands dirty, working with so many different things, and he gets to kind of pick and choose what he goes into in the future. Whereas when I came out of school, you know, I for the most part understood the how the world works a little bit. I I feel like it's silly that they don't teach you how to like balance a checkbook and do your finances and all that. All those real world stuff seems to get glossed over in the in the modern educational uh, 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 centers I just don't understand why we're not focusing more on on that on that with our kids there's um, there's a couple of there's a couple of issues there I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you but uh, just two I'm gonna hit on real quick what what is kind of sad to me is that there are kids going hungry right now because they're not in school, because there are oh, enough yeah, areas where schools actually providing that that balanced meal that, you know, keeps them from being in a calorie deficit. And then the other side is I absolutely agree with you about the way school is structured. However, uh the sad fact of the matter is that there are so many parents that if school didn't keep their kids in for eight hours, they wouldn't be able to have that second income in the family. Yeah, it definitely puts us as uh, parents and money makers into a situation where it's tough to like go to work and make money. If I worked at home more, I mean, I'd be there and I'd be assisting the kids with their schoolwork during the day. It was really tough, actually. Um, I don't know. I'm up on the fence about it because I don't have little, little yeah. kids anymore. You know, my, my youngest is 11. So I can't imagine trying to raise up, say, like a two or three year old or maybe a, a five year old even. It would be nearly impossible without um, the schools. Well, and back on your point about the balancing a checkbook and stuff, we have, at my school, we have uh, accounting as a option for class, but it's not a mandatory class. So if you want to take accounting, you learn how to make a budget and, you know, all the money management, but it's uh, not mandatory. Well, and we don't have free lunch here either. No free lunch? No, we had well, we had it twice, just as like an ev- an event, but not. It's not a daily thing. But you do have free health care. We do for the most part. So that's nice. That's a win because if you know anything about American health care here, number one cause of personal it. bankruptcy in America. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just quite a thing. I had to watch a documentary on that in social studies, and it made me realize that I never want to live in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> We have a lot of very good positive attributes here. It's just that we're doing a don't few get things sick. wrong, in my opinion. D- don't yeah, don't, get, don't sick. get sick here. You, you won't. You won't. You won't make it. Um, yeah, I, I lived next door to a, an older gentleman for many years who was from Nova Scotia, and uh, he would keep his Canadian citizenship because uh, of the health care. Right, so he would spend six months down in Florida here and and do his thing, and then he would go back home. And uh, whenever he needed something done. He would just, you know, fly back to Nova Scotia and do his thing, get his work done and whatever. And I'm like, it didn't cost you anything. He's like, no, I got an entire knee replaced. I had a, a quadruple bypass, blah, blah, blah. Not a single penny out of his pocket. Now, the tax structure is a little bit different uh, in Canada, from what I understand. Yeah, it's, But for the most part, hey, it, it kind of works out. Yeah. And we actually have a guy, our, what's called MP here in Alberta, wants... 
is trying to uh, make healthcare here more private, but I don't think it's, I don't think we would uh, let that happen. Well, you have a great example of what that looks like just south of you. So yeah. I think a lot of people will fight that tooth and nail uh, in, in American healthcare. So I, I think that's my only real, uh, it's not my only complaint about America because I, I see how we could do things so much more uh, equitably and, and better. But my real uh, concern is the, if we can't make a buck on it, we don't give a shit about it. And that is so, God, that's such a shitty proposition. Well, you know, uh, I've said this before, and Greenspan puts it really well about capitalism. He says it's, you know, the only system that has brought more people out of poverty. And uh, I agree with him. You know, unfortunately, the, the symptom and the byproduct of capitalism is you have people who obviously tax the system on one end and then other people that uh, that pull from it and, and actually get too greedy and, and go the other end. But it's all at the end of the day with proper regulation in place, it becomes kind of a, a great system, in my opinion. I, I would definitely classify myself as a capitalist. Uh, but I, I don't fall on that on that side of capitalism where I would rather sacrifice the good of the community to make more money for a select single you know sect of people. Yeah, yeah. That's what bothers me is that you know these powerful people get put into place and they get the opportunity to sort of decide, and it's usually to their own benefit where that money goes. Uh, and power and money kind of go hand in hand. Well, the problem is that regulation is anathema to, uh, you know, quote unquote capitalism. And, you know, if if I've got to follow rules, they should have to follow rules and they shouldn't be able to write the rules that benefit them at the expense of everyone else. They get to break the yeah. rules, though, and then pay to get out well, of it. Yeah, I, I, and, and they I love that. the fine it's aspect corrupt. because it's just a tax on the consumer. It's not really that right. pun. It's not punitive to the organization that, you know, got the fine levied on them. It's passed on to That's the consumer. Right. So it's it's a joke even when they do get fined. It keeps us all in line, though, Trent. You know, we uh, we're all a bunch of we're we're very rowdy down here in in in, uh, in the United States, and it keeps us all kind of <laughs> combined together. So we don't, you know, we're, once 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 we start breaking the law, and then you know uh, we get the the martial law stuff going on, like we've got going on right now. Um, it starts to highlight uh, sort of the uh, the the imbalance uh, that we're seeing in a lot of the way the laws are. Yeah. Well, so, I just wanted I, to touch I, on that real quick. Not trying to get political, but yeah, uh, no. you know, as a veteran, not trying to bang that drum too hard. But as a veteran, when I took that oath, uh, I don't remember it expiring, and my I I not I wouldn't say fall in line. But I agree with the uh, the generals and the retired chiefs of staff who have spoken out against using the military against the American uh, civilians because we're part of the community and we you, you don't get to pick and choose. It's not a pick your own adventure book. Uh, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, you either uphold all of it or you, you're not upholding it at all. It's a good point. I I don't think that um, 
we are going to end up in a situation where we're going to be pitted against our own military. In fact, that's one of the beautiful things about America is we love our guns and we have the uh, the largest uh, private militia is all these fine uh, gun toting Americans that would stand up against oppression at a moment's notice. And I know it. Um, it's just who do you choose? Which side? How do you pick? I mean, it's. It's it's like basically following your gut. I, right? I, you don't I firmly stand on the side of the civilians. I I will not I will not follow an order that is illegal or immoral or unethical. I will I will bear the cross of having to go to Fort Leavenworth versus firing on my neighbors. I will not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hear you there. I'm uh I, I I'm on that fence of um trying to figure out exactly if i should be sad angry or just like you know manic laughing anyway i yeah it's like i watched the joker the other day the the movie and um i'm like when was this filmed like it's almost exactly what's going on right now you know we've got like the billionaire uh, guy the leader who's like corrupt and then you got like a whole thing going on and it's it's kind of all the rioting in the streets and everything else it was it was it followed what's happening exactly right now. So great film, by the way. If you haven't watched The Joker, um, I can see why Joaquin Phoenix um, uh, won an Academy Award or Grammy or whatever he got for that. Uh, it's uh, it's a beautiful piece. Well done all around. Oh, my brother-in-law was in it. He's actually a professional stuntman. That's man. pretty cool. And uh, We yeah, should have him on done. sometime. Yeah, yeah. He wants to come on. Yeah, his name's Todd Jones. Okay. He's, uh, he's a well-known strongman. So he does. Um, he lives in Philadelphia, that, that area, and he goes into New York City and does strongman shows where he like bends horseshoes and stuff with yeah. his hands. And uh, super interesting cat, man, like really interesting guy. Um, but uh, anyway, now I want to segue into one of my favorite segments, and it is where we get to ask uh, you a question, Kenzie, and also Dexter. I think uh, you should be in on this as well. I've already heard uh, Trent's answer for both of these questions, so I will, uh, unless of course it's changed, Trent. <laughs> at this point, maybe it has. I don't not know. yet. Not uh, yet. Mine, yeah, mine's my answers are still the same. But Kenzie, I want to ask you: uh, is if you could meet anybody in history, doesn't matter what date or time they existed. Uh, who would it be and why? So I thought quite a bit about this one. And I, well, I sort of have three, but they're they're in order, I guess. Okay. Okay. So number one, I guess my real answer to this question would be um, Peter Carl Fabergé. Like the Fabergé so, eggs? Yeah. Okay. What a so great answer. So just because he made these really beautiful things back in the day, but also because of the way he ran his company. And so what he did was he would be the top and his name was on everything, of course. And then he had workmasters for each of his workshops. And he had all these craftsmen for each step of the process. And the workmasters would take care of each individual craftsman. And then so it's it's this like distribution of power and delegating of the tasks. And the way he did that is what allowed his name to have this sticking power and his company to grow to be one of the biggest jewelers in the world. So I'd like to talk to him to learn, you know, how I can make my company someday be something that will outlive me. Let me let me just interject here because so this this adds a whole new uh, element to who you are. 
So at some point, do you feel like you would like to do something similar, perhaps with bladesmithing or where are you thinking? Like if you were to say, let me just give you um, a million dollars right now. And I said, you can start whatever kind of company you want with it. uh, and, And I'm your silent partner. What would you do with it? So I'd buy a massive shop and I'd set it up with individual workspaces for each person. And then I'd hire a bunch of people that can come and they come to the shop and it teaches like a school. So you could take like, I don't know, maybe it would be a six month course or something similar. And anyone who wants to learn to be a bladesmith can come and learn. And when you're done, I can offer you a job at the the workshop there. And then they'll all be working so they can stamp, you make a knife and you can stamp it with your name and my name because it's, it's on a whole thing. It's like, a, you know, they work for me. And yeah, so it would be, and I'd like to own a knife shop that has work for me and other makers. And it's a one-stop shop for you can get sharpening stones, cutting boards, anything handmade for the kitchen is my goal. That's impressive. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic plan you have laid out. That's uh Yeah, we'll see, see how it works. But I mean, it, you've actually put some thought into it. That's a better quote-unquote uh, business plan that I've seen a lot of grown men talk about. I like the concept that you would you could hire your students it, because it makes sense, right? Um Whenever we we have interns, like I own a tech company, right? So we bring in interns from the local college, and it's like the longest job interview ever, right? (laughs) They're coming in and they're working with with me. But if I see something in one of these guys, I can I can put them to work, you know, and and I know I can make money from their uh, from their abilities or their attitudes or whatever it is. It it also can work in the converse where. It will show me exactly the reason why I don't want to hire that person or I wouldn't want them here. And in your concept, you, you basically get a chance to mold people mm-hmm. and turn them into exactly what you'd want and then also work with them closely to kind of see if you would be a good fit, like a good match. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant concept. I like it. Not to, not to interject, but my wife, I keep bringing this up, but my wife runs a uh, raptor education program with live raptors they're injured non-releasable and we have had the best group of interns passing through her program we've had some who've returned for multiple years and we've had some who've only done one year and we've actually had the the um the the pride and ability to uh help them find uh, you know, long-term work and employment with other people in her niche, and and you wish you could like hire them all exactly, right? like exactly. A lot of we them. we have yeah. we have had some of the interns work for her, and you know she's she would love to have all of them back, but you know there's only so many positions available. So what we try to do is we try to pay it forward and you know, help them whenever possible. If there is a a position that they're looking for, if we can influence it in the most marginal way, we will do whatever we can because of the quality of not just their work ethic, but their interest in the field. I, I feel like rewarding people like that is so important for success of the, those kinds of, uh, 
not just prospects, but you know the the work that they do. I totally agree, and that, and you don't get that opportunity when you just put an ad in the paper. Now, that shows my age. Uh, 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 excuse me. <clears throat> when you post an ad, a job up on Monster or something, uh, and you you uh, you hire somebody that's blind, you know, a, a blind uh, interaction, it's it's really tough because I've hired people that have turned out to be absolute nightmares for my life, and it's it's like it's just like not worth it. So it's it, it's a great concept. All right, all right. So Kenzie, tell us. Uh, we we've heard about Fabergé. So oh, what's yeah. the what are, what are the other two? Well, I guess second would have to be Will Smith. I just oh, love that guy. Okay. I watched Fresh Prince when I was little, and it's just the best. So that's West Philadelphia, one. born and raised. Yeah. What's funny is Brian and I watched that when it was originally out, and you watched reruns. Why well, it's on Netflix? Oh yeah, I just watched uh, Suicide Squad again for the second time, and. Um, He's like my favorite character. What's his? Uh, what's Deadshot? his? Uh, quick shot? Head? Yeah. Is it headshot or quick Dead shot, shot or something like that? Deadshot. That's it. He's my favorite character, and I love all of his work too. His, yeah, his catalog his is fantastic. And then finally would be probably Bob Kramer. Not familiar with him. Yeah, Bob, who's Bob Kramer? You guys don't know? Oh, you should definitely check out Bob Kramer. He makes really incredible chef's knives. He does a lot of. Uh, work with smelting his own steel. Not a, well. He does some, and just really amazing, amazing knives. How would we find Bob Kramer? Where will we see him? Uh, he's on Instagram. Okay. All right. We'll have to, we'll have to dig into that. The name. And he's he taught Mareko Mamasi. Mamasi. Ah, yes, Mareko. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mareko has a show on this Makery Network as well. Not just pod or not just knife talk. He's doing his own standalone show as well. Oh, he is. Yeah, I believe so. on the Makery Network. Sure yeah, yeah, I'm pretty I'll sure. To, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have to, to check that out too. I find him fascinating. He's just a kind uh, human being, and um, he's so willing to give uh, his advice to people. I love that about him, and I think that's uh, that show. That's like the sh- the. Sh- the uh, a characteristic of a true craftsman sh- yeah. that can can kind of like explain how they do things. I don't know if that's if I'm coming across the right way, but like I've met so many people who are brilliant and they're they're very good at what they do, and then they're just a total asshole on the other side. Like when you you, t- you talk, it's like we we were discussing this about the question of who you would meet and all that, and I said Willie Nelson because you know you're going to hang out with somebody. Willie Nelson is like the dude, right? You wouldn't have a bad time with him. Um, and, uh, so <clears throat> I've met a couple of my idols, people that I looked up to and they disappointed me. They made me like almost not really enjoy their work anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just like feel that's like Mareko is one of those guys that I, I don't think he would disappoint me. Like if I was hanging out with him and just in his, in his workshop or something, I think yeah. we would, if we I had to pick jump. a number four, it would definitely be him. Nice. Nice. And- I like it. I just looked it up on Instagram. It is Bob Kramer Knives, all one word. Bob Kramer Knives. Right. Okay, very good. Uh, just so, just so in case you guys are hearing any of the static or whatever coming on our end, my workshop is a tin has a tin roof, and it we got our afternoon three o'clock storm, which is we live in uh, monsoon climate here, so it rains like crazy for about like twenty minutes, and then it just stops. So it's actually quiet in here again. I. I not to interrupt Kenzie, but I'm I'm interested to hear Dexter's response. 
Oh, yes, Dexter. Yeah. So who would you want to meet and why? Uh, I would probably want to meet um, Elon Musk because I want to know why he did what what he's doing now with Tesla and uh, SpaceX. SpaceX. And I, wa- I want to figure out um, his thoughts behind all of what he's doing. And he inspires me too. Yeah, he's a very inspiring person. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I think I would want to meet Elon as well, and I. But I do think he would have the potential to be. I don't know. Maybe he's just like a really cool guy to hang out with. And I've just heard stories that he's hard to work for. So well, maybe he's, he's like intense. I think that he's he's erratic. Yeah, yeah. I, he's intense, and it really seems to me like he's. It's not just a self-imposed pressure. It kind of seems like he feels like, uh, you know, and this is just me spitballing. I'm not in his headspace, but it seems to me like he is under a deadline because he's either afraid he's going to miss something or that he's got so much to do he cannot stop if he wants to get anywhere close to accomplishing something. Yeah, Renoa said that to me this morning. I I chatted with her that, uh, briefly this morning, and she said, "Don't do what Elon did." She's like, "You you know you're you're dangerously close to following what he did," and I was like, "I don't I'm not as driven as Elon. I think Elon is one of those guys in my head, and I agree totally 100 percent with you, Trent. It's like he's got that feeling like I'm running out of time, and I've got so much more to do." And um, I can empathize with that because I feel that way every day. Like, I, my, you know, when I leave my workshop, I'm like, I could be here for another 10 hours, but I need sleep. You know, um, <laughs> it's I could literally be in here prototyping, working, organizing, cleaning, building. If I could do it 24 hours a day, I would I would never stop. And I think that's Elon. Right. I think he's like, OK, I started PayPal. I, I, I sold it. I got a bunch of money. Now, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to you know send somebody to mars i mean the guy just went from zero to 90 and no 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 time at all i mean it's amazing his work like to be fair i feel that pressure too like really about uh running out of time i'm 14 but i'm like oh man i got what 80 years then i'm gonna die like i better get my butt if you're lucky yeah if you're lucky man i have that same feeling though man even at your age i felt that same thing I remember I used to brew my own beer, and I would think to myself, mm, beer. "There's only so many batches I could, yeah <laughs> beer. I, there's only so many batches I can make, you know, in, in my life because you know beer takes time, yeah. you know, it takes you know your fermentation and all that. I, I now make my own wine, um, and and it's the same thing. I think, will this bottle of wine exist when I'm dead, or will this, you know, what is what is that about? And um, and I think about all the projects the same thing, same way. You know, I, I'm running out of time. I'm, I'm 43 and I'm in the middle of my life. And, and in, in my family, the men in my family don't live much past 70. It's just kind of the way it is. And I don't know why. I mean, it's either excess or whatever it is, but health usually. So, and I look at it like I've got 27 good years. So left, are maybe. you more I'm concerned like, about your legacy or is it because I think if I was if I was concerned about my legacy or building something greater than myself, I think I'd rather focus on quality over quantity. But if it's, if it's more of a, I don't know what branch this is leading to, and I need to put out as much work as possible. So I find my branch. 
It's not legacy. I have three children and I believe that they'll carry on in some way, you know, with whatever I've done. But I think it's, and this might sound a little weird or unthought of, but um, it's more of the experience for me. Okay. Yeah. I think if, if I know that makes, you know, that makes people, a lot of sense. I'm it's, yeah. it's kind of like FOMO, but more existential. Yes. Oh, totally existential. It's like it, it, I always think to myself, like, it, like the grinder I'm building and prototyping. Like in in ten years, that thing will be, you know, it might maybe one of my designs will be like normal. Like if somebody will accept it and it'll become like a normal thing. I fully believe, by the way, that the two two by seventy two belt grinders, like the next drill press or the next table saw, it, it should be in like every home workshop. Everybody should own one, whether you buy from me or whoever. You should own one because they are one of the most powerful tools you can have, not just for metalworking, knife yeah. making. They, they're just, it's they, they do everything. indispensable. It is. And, um, I, and you know who I heard that from the first time was the, the guy that runs Blackbeard um, Projects. He built one a few years ago, and it was just like a rudimentary one, tube steel and all. And, uh, and, and as he's using it, of course, I'm thinking the same thing. And he says, I don't know why I didn't have this sooner. This is just like such an amazing tool to own. Um, very versatile, very, very powerful tool. And I, I think to myself, I did not design the grinder. This was not my concept. This was, you know, completely different than, uh, or it's not completely different than anybody else's design, really, other than I just made it better and I made it more versatile and I just changed a few things that I thought were right. I had never fabricated anything out of metal in my entire life. I just, just went and did it. I, did, I just dropped everything and just decided to do it. And it changed the way I see everything. You know, and so many people said, I couldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. There was so much negativity and it was just like, why are you doing this? Why is a tech guy designing a grinder? It's just like, I want to do it. I, I and, and I was able to do it at 43 and I was able to make a business out of it and create something that I find that I'm proud of. And I, again, will go back to the, the, the ability to be able to do that right now is sort of the design, the fertile ground that this this world is now becoming. If I need something, I can go on Amazon, I can purchase it, it can be shipped to my house in like, you know, two days, you know, three days, whatever it is. And without that, you know, flow, I wouldn't be able to fabricate this stuff or do this stuff. Or, you know, cheap Chinese tools are one thing, but they got me where I am today. Yeah. I mean, I, if well, I didn't have that access to that stuff, I would never been able to know. Everybody needs okay, a stepping stone. I, Totally. And so there's a lot of hate out there for that kind of thing. So when I look at Elon and what he did with PayPal and I see, okay, started a, a payment processing company, made a bunch of money. Then he went to Tesla and SpaceX and he created this dude has created an entire. I mean, you would talk about legacy. What what Elon is going to leave behind is a, an entirely new, cleaner world, hopefully, with his, with the advent of the electric car, actually making it accessible to people. Yeah. And I want to do that, too, in, in a different and maybe a smaller scale way by making handmade goods available at a lower price and at more available to your everyday person so that people are buying less. And it won't be as big a step as something like electric cars, but I'd hope that if I can do something like that with my life, it'll leave something a little bit different. I think that quality goods that last a lifetime will have 
a better impact on the world than shit that you can buy at Walmart that you'll toss in a year. Oh, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Think about it. What's one tool that you use every day if you're just a normal human being? It's a knife. Everybody uses one every day, multiple times yeah, a day. Yeah, whether it's a pocket it's, knife or in the kitchen or. Yep. I use one probably four or five times a day. So, every so day. I'm not I'm not trying to tell you what to do, Brian, but uh, I'd kind of like to see the young guns uh, round up this uh, episode. I'd like to see what them uh, leading the podcast could sound like because they, they both got good heads on their shoulders. I'd like to hear more input. I agree. Them. Yeah, 100%. You boys think you can handle See, that? We we put we put them on the spot. So yeah, <laughs> let me let me uh, I'll guide the conversation just just quickly so that I, I would but what I would like to hear from both of you, if you were fourteen years old and you were listening to this podcast and you were listening to two young guys talking, what advice would you give another fourteen year old? Figure out what you like or love, I guess you could say. Like find your purpose? Yeah. yeah. Find something you can do every day that doesn't make it feel like work. Even though one of my friends said it wasn't work. This is definitely work, but it doesn't feel like work. And that is one thing you should definitely find that you feel. When, you do, when you're doing it, you feel that it's not a burden and that you should be, that you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Find satisfaction. Yeah, eliminate that drudgery. I think that's what we're missing in a in a majority of our workforce is that uh, so many people are angry and upset with the system because they go they're a part of it, you know, they're like they're a cog in a wheel. But they truly don't have that passion and now and that purpose and now with the internet you're watching all of these people do it, you know, through social media whether it be real or not. Um, and and Trent and I have had the, these conversations a lot too about the, um, the 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 curated life you know that you're seeing all these influencers on Instagram and all that. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by it. It's not all of it. There's a lot of reality out there, but there's there's more edited reality than anything. And through and I 100% fully believe that through transparency, showing people who you really are, you will find your audience. You'll find the people that want to listen to you and hear you and, and, and support and, and you will support your work. Yeah. Yeah. Support your work and what you're up to. And I think at a young age, once you realize that, that, of course, becoming a, a brand or building a business, there's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be people out there that are going to tell you you can't do it. Plow through it. Anyway, don't listen to them. Continue moving forward. Find your purpose. Find your passion. Go with it. And if it if it doesn't meet exactly what you're looking for, tweak it. Change it just slightly and continue on. And I think you guys will both do great with your work. You'll well, find that, your purpose. Thanks. And that goes really well with what I would say to that question, which is something along the lines of be happy and stop worrying about what other people are doing like I look at when I go to school and I see all these people who are just going along with what's normal and what everyone else is doing and 
that goes on into when you're going to work and you just do what everyone else is doing. But when you step back and look at, well, I don't care what they're doing, what am I doing? And you focus a little more on yourself. I just, I think that's a really good thing to look at and to focus more on prioritize what's important to you and what's important for your life. Not so much, you know, like the friends, the people around you will go, but what's important to you, focus on that. Man, those very wise words coming from a 14-year-old. You really are an old man. It's <laughs> true. You, you're like you're like a 60-year-old guy in a 14-year-old body. That's that's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I, I get that <laughs> a like, lot, actually. Guess. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So we're we're right at the uh, hour ten, hour eleven here. We've been discussing things and talking a little bit about uh, getting to know each other, really. And uh, it doesn't feel like an hour ten went by, but uh, it's a it was a great conversation. I want to ask you uh, both of you, Dexter and uh, Kenzie. I want to know what is going on in your workshop right now. What are you passionate about? What are you making right now? And uh, just give us a brief synopsis on it. Uh, uh, go ahead, Kenzie. Uh, sure. So I just hung up all my belts. I'm finally organized now for my belt sander. And I pulled the... I had one of those 4x36 belt sander disc sander. Mm-hmm. And I pulled the belt off and mounted it sideways so I have a horizontal disc sander now. So I'm excited to get to using that. And then... I'm working on a really thin 8-inch chef's knife right now, which is, it's got a hamon, it's 1095, and I'm trying something new with a really thin geometry, it's really flexy, so I'm really excited to see how that's going to turn out. 1095, and um, let me ask you this, because when you make a kitchen, kitchen knife, do you heat treat before you grind? Or do you heat treat it after? I forge and then I profile grind and I set up all my shoulders and everything, all the filing I need to do, and then I quench. So no bevels before heat treat, only profile grinding. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm the same way, especially with kitchen knives because I can't not, I just can't stop them from warping. Once they get too thin and then I I, uh, heat treat them, they they like to walk on me. So. Mm -hmm. I always like to ask that question because there's a couple people that don't do that. They actually uh, will will flat grind and everything, and then and then they somehow manage to get a straight blade afterwards. I don't know how, but they do. It's amazing. Yeah, Dexter, what do you got going on? Uh, I know what you got going on, but you can tell everybody else. In in this shop or my shop? It, my... Well, tell them about what we're doing right now out there because that's kind of interesting. And I've posted some of the stuff on social media. Uh, so right now we're working on an old Logan lathe and uh, we're trying to get it running. It had a old single phase motor on it. Now we're putting a uh, the three phase motor that you've seen on uh, the 2x72. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what we're working on in here. This this old Logan lathe, it was um, manufactured. We looked up the serial number on it and... Um, it was manufactured in 1947, and it was given to me in a pile of tools. That's where how I got my mill and a drill press and stuff from another guy that actually follows the channel. His name is Scott. 
Love you, Scott. Thank you so much. He actually um, brought it down and actually helped me install it all too uh, from Tampa. And uh, this this old Logan lathe has been sitting in my corner of my grind room collecting dust for the last year. And uh, I woke up about three days ago and I went, ah, I got to do something with that. I, I, I It's like bothering me that I don't have a functioning lathe. And um, so we just yanked it. We pulled it out. We started cleaning it up. We started filming it and filming the restoration, taking photos. And Dexter has such a... Um, a curious mind that he wants to, you know, take everything apart right away. And I, I just love watching him work when it comes to that because he just really gets all in. He goes headfirst right into the projects and starts pulling things apart. It's fantastic. So, and I'm, I was the same way and still am. So it's kind of like watching myself work. It's really a cool project. That's awesome. I want to hear because Dexter sounded like he uh, had some projects in his own workshop that he's, Oh, he does. Yeah, I do. Um, so I have a little garage. It, it's a community garage, so there's also like a whole bunch of other cars mm-hmm. in there. And I have my own little space there. So uh, right now I'm working on a, a boat motor. I'm trying to fix that right now, which isn't related to knives. But, you know, it's still it's still a project. But um, I have a little 1x30 in my uh, garage and uh i'm working on a little file knife from a broken uh broken file that i broke on accident a while back <laughs> repurposing that's sweet yeah yeah i like i like actually get these uh text messages from dexter sometimes like late at night and like hey look what i'm doing and he's like making knives in his little garage and and uh sending me pictures it's kind of cool Never and never in my mind when you thought like you'd have when you had kids that you would have stuff like that happen. I don't I don't know why I just didn't think of it like that when I when I think of my own children. But uh, I love getting those those project updates from them because I empathize and I love it and I do the same thing. So and we we're always t- and then it's what's funny is my dad called today while we were working on the lathe and he was born in 1946. So um, I'm like hey we're working on a lathe that's about your age. And uh, we're it's it's old and dusty just like you. So, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my dad, my dad's the kind of guy that appreciates that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but um, well, listen, guys, uh, we're at a we're at a good at a good point to uh, end the show, and I I really wanted to take a minute and tell the audience that I truly appreciate you listening in and what we're doing here on the Work for It podcast because. Um, I'm watching the numbers and I'm just blown away by how many of you are listening and tuning in and then how many people find me on Instagram and on YouTube and are messaging me directly and telling me how much they're loving the show and how much it brings to their lives. And um, it, it really helps me keep going and wanting to do this work. So so I love the encouragement. Thank you so much. And uh, if, if there's any uh, way you'd like to support our channel, you know all the regular ways of doing it through Patreon, through Buy Me a Coffee. And through the Amazon store links, those are all down in the show notes. You can find us through there and you can help support the work that we do here. Uh, also, make sure that you go out to Instagram and you find uh, Kenzie's page. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to read it off to you. It's Aaron underscore iron underscore and underscore steel. And the and is spelled out A-N-D. 
And so go out and find Kenzie's uh, uh, page on Instagram, follow him on Instagram and support his work. Um, that actually one that leads me into one more question for you, Kenzie. Do you sell your work? I just I've recently started selling my work. Yeah. So I got one order and it's and it's sort of just spiraled now. I, I've started to get lots. So I'm that Nakiri was a custom order I sold and I'm hoping to sell this next one too that I'm working on now. The Nakiri is um ten ninety five as well. Yep. Yeah. Man, I love that. I love that piece. That is uh I'm looking at it right now actually. It is it is such a beautiful piece. I'm partial to Nakiris. I have never actually made one, but I love them. They're, yeah, the shape is kinda nice and it's simplicity, isn't it? It, yeah, it, well, what, here's what, what I envision using one is like. It's like holding a kitchen knife that is also a cleaver, even though they're thin. Um, I, I don't always see the point. Uh, that's a bad choice of word. I don't always see the... <laughs> it's hard to see the point on an. It's hard to see the point on a Nakiri, but I don't always see the purpose in a point on a knife, if that makes sense. Like, I don't stab a lot of things, you know, with, with what the work that I'm doing in the kitchen, so... For me, a cleaver works really well because I can cut all kinds of things. And I just, having a pointy knife, it almost seems dangerous to me in a way. Although I do see the purpose, you know, everyone's going to hear that and go, Brian doesn't see the purpose in a pointy knife. I No, I get it. I understand why you need one. But uh, for a majority of the tasks in a kitchen, a Nakiri would be ideal. So Unless you're, unless you chop by rocking, right? It's if, if you like to chop, the Nakiri is great. But if you're a rocker, you know the European style of right. cutting; it doesn't work so well. I am a rocker, and that and a lot of my kitchen knives have have that uh, what is it convex uh, uh, bow to the blade, and yeah. it's because I like to rock. Yeah, but that Nakiri I made was kind of so, sorry. Uh, that Nik- that Nikiri I did was unusual, though. The guy said instead of making it thin like you usually would, he wanted something heavier just so it feels like weighty in his hands he likes that right and then he said it's mostly going to be used for slicing um like breaking down big game and stuff so it's kind of the opposite of what you'd usually think of for a thin vegetable knife but eh, customer's always right you know yeah if that's the way he wants it i what i like about it too is that you round it over the spine i think that's really classy looking I think it's really beautiful looking. Is it? The, I can't tell. Is it rounded over the entire length of the blade? Yeah, it's. I polish it all the way down, and the yeah. the choil there where your finger goes is polished too. Yeah, I love that. You can. I can tell the 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 attention to detail there. It's it's beautiful piece. Thank you. Beautiful. Yes, of course. Um, all right. Well, listen, guys. I'm going to wrap up the show right there. So make sure I got. I I started looking at your Instagram feed because I pulled up the thing to 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 see what your uh, to spell out your your name there on Instagram, and I got sucked into the Nikiri again. Um, anyhow, guys, I really do appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. This has been episode number four of the work for it podcast um also i'd like to uh mention that we did get some work for it stickers in actually today they came in so um i'll be sending some of those out uh, to you all uh and uh, i have them for sale up on the website you can purchase a sticker pack which is like six sticker or five stickers now i think it is uh for for like eight bucks and that helps support the channel so thank you so much guys for listening my name is brian house and this has been the work for it podcast right here on the makery network Make sure you go to makery.network and check out all the other makers who are creating awesome audio content right there. 
Thanks again, guys. Have a great day. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. See you later. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.